the explosive new film, Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost, exposes secrets behind the government's takedown of General Michael Flynn. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. He told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. They had to get rid of Flynn. Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to SalemNow.com. SalemNow.com. If we look to the answer as to why for so many years we achieved so much, prospered as no other people on earth, it was because here in this land we unleashed the energy and individual genius of man to a greater extent than has ever been done before. Those who say that we're in a time when there are no heroes, they just don't know where to look. The sloping hills of Arlington National Cemetery, with its row upon row of simple white markers, bearing crosses or stars of David, they add up to only a tiny fraction of the price that has been paid for our freedom. As for the enemies of freedom, those who are potential adversaries, they will be reminded that peace is the highest aspiration of the American people. We will negotiate for it, sacrifice for it. We will not surrender for it now or ever. We are Americans. This is the Bob France Authority on AM 1420. The answer. The yes, indeed, it is. Thank you so much for joining us. The authority is on the air now at seven minutes after the hour of nine o'clock on this Thursday, the seventh morning of the eleventh month of the year of our Lord, twenty nineteen. Thanks for being with us. Coming up on the program, Joel Gilbert makes his return. Joel Gilbert, an independent filmmaker who's got a book and a film out that we featured right at its its uh, at the time of its release back in September. It's called The Trayvon Hoax, Unmasking the Witness Fraud That Divided America. That is kind of going viral right now. As a matter of fact, uh, it is now the number three selling DVD in America. It is a huge, huge deal as uh, we are kind of finally getting the expose that is deserved on one of the greatest racial hoaxes in American history. And as Joel will point out when he joins me at 935, what that hoax has led to, including a lot of other hoaxes. Uh, it's a big deal as race relations continue to be uh, frayed, to say the very least. Strained, maybe, is another way to say it. Uh, and we may just be at one of the worst points in our history since the Civil Rights Act, quite frankly. And a lot of that is because of what the media did and did not do during the Trayvon hoax. So we'll talk to Joel Gilbert about that coming up at 935. At 1035, I love this story. You remember Dr. Jerome Corsi, right? Investigative journalist, uh, senior staff writer for a lot of conservative websites, including World Net Daily. Dr. Corsi was one of those that the Mueller report tried to uh, ensnare in their wide investigative net, if you will, to try to get him to turn on Donald Trump. They thought they had him the way they have Roger Stone, whose trial, by the way, is underway now. 
uh, and they are essentially trying Roger Stone for being a 35-year friend of Donald Trump's. That's essentially what is going on here. They tried to do the same thing to Corsi. Uh, Corsi fought back quickly and harshly, and immediately they dropped any investigation and or charges against Dr. Corsi. But that's not why he's coming on with me at 1035 today. At 1035, Dr. Jerome Corsi is going to talk to us about TerraBlock. Have you ever heard of TerraBlock? I hadn't either. But it is what could be the answer to our questions about a wall on the southern border. It is a wall that will be impenetrable, unscalable, and smart, and better yet, cheaper than anything else that the president could put up. So Dr. Jerome Corsi has the smart wall that could very well be the answer to making sure that our border is secure and that the unfathomable crimes that we just saw earlier this week taking place on the southern side of that border as nine Americans were killed in that terrible, terrible cartel attack, that ambush, uh, children, women, just all butchered uh, before being set, uh, set on fire. Uh, we make sure that those cartel members do not have the ability to cross into the United States as they have for so very long. So we're going to talk to Dr. Jerome Corsi about that. That'll be coming up at 1035. Joel Gilbert, Dr. Jerome Corsi, the guests today. All right. A lot of important stuff to get into. First, the latest on the impeachment inquiry. A top aide to Vice President Mike Pence, Jennifer Williams, is expected to go before committees conducting the impeachment inquiry. But it's unlikely former National Security Advisor John Bolton will appear. Williams was reportedly on the July 25th phone call that kicked off the Ukraine investigation. The interviews come as the Democratic-led House Intelligence Committee prepares for the first public impeachment hearings next week. On Wednesday, Bill Taylor, senior diplomat in Ukraine, and Deputy Assistant Secretary George Kent will testify. On Friday, former Ambassador to Ukraine Marie Ivanovich will appear. All right, so that's the latest. Adam Schiff announcing yesterday the first witnesses in the public or or open uh, inquiry or hearings in the impeachment inquiry. That's uh, That announcement was made yesterday, and we'll look forward to what's coming next week. Meantime, we need to talk about what is happening right now. Because what was uncovered yesterday, in my view, is nothing short of earth-shattering. Earth-shattering, I say. We are talking about the attorney for the whistleblower, the attorney for the Trump accuser, the first guy who went running to Adam Schiff and has been granted status as a whistleblower because he was concerned about what he heard on the phone call as as he worked for the CIA between President Trump and uh, Ukrainian President Zelensky. Now, why? Uh, what, what could be so earth-shattering now? Well, the fact that we have known for a while now who the, uh, who the uh, whistleblower really is, although nobody is apparently at liberty to say. Nobody is willing or is, uh, is um, uh, courageous enough to say his name. I did. I said it on the program last week. Uh, Dr. Sebastian Gorka said it on uh, his Twitter feed yesterday. And many others are saying it, but nobody in positions of authority, nobody in positions of um, uh, of uh, elected capacity uh, are willing to say his name now. And apparently it's because they, you know, they have to get a double and triple and quadruple sourced. And I get that. But to me, there are enough sources for Dr. Sebastian Gorka to say, and there are enough sources for me to say. And I, of course, will... will um, 
you know, give the caveat here that no, I do not have independent corroboration, but I'm looking at multiple sources that have independently corroborated, so I'm just kind of going by that. And, uh, and, and I think it's worth pointing out. So we, we know who this, uh, this individual is, the, uh, the quote unquote whistleblower. He is not a whistleblower in any stretch of, by any stretch of the imagination. He is a never Trumper working for the CIA who has been working for the CIA um, and was a part of the attempted coup to take down Donald Trump. Now, that's not just, you know, a bunch of opinion and a bunch of hearsay and a bunch of bloviating on a, on a conservative talk radio show. We're going to talk about exactly how and why. And the reason is because we know whose attorney is. The whistleblower's attorney, whether he is named or not, the whistleblower, we do know that the attorney representing him, his name is Mark Zaid. Mark Zaid is the attorney representing this whistleblower who is trying to bring down the president. And this particular attorney has been a part of this attempt to impeach Donald Trump from long before the July 25th phone call between Trump and Zelensky. As a matter of fact, it wasn't just in June of 2019. It wasn't even in May or in April of 2019. In fact, it wasn't in 2018 either. It was shortly after Donald Trump was inaugurated in January of 2017. Mark Zaid tweeted that the coup has begun. He literally said the coup has begun. Mark Zaid was part of the deep state operation back in uh, right after uh, Donald Trump was inaugurated to essentially say we will get rid of him now this is not just again hearsay this is uh, directly from Mark Zaid's Twitter account I don't know why it took so long for this to be unearthed but it was unearthed yesterday what's really important is uh, the fact that Mark Zaid is acknowledged as the attorney representing this whistleblower upon whom Adam Schiff has rested his entire uh, case of getting rid of Donald Trump by way of this Ukraine scandal, if you want to call it that. Mark S. Zaid, tweeting from his account, at Mark S. Zaid, S-E-S-Q, which is Esquire, tweeted, quote, hashtag coup has started, first of many steps, hashtag rebellion, hashtag impeachment will follow ultimately, hashtag lawyers. This was Mark Zaid responding specifically to the firing of acting Attorney General Sally Yates, who was fired for refusing to enforce a legal order designed to protect citizens of the United States. And so in, in response to that, Mark Zaid tweeted that, don't worry, coup has begun. He also declared on Twitter that for every one that falls, two will rise up and take their place. So in other words, for uh, every, and I'll read the quote here, President Trump, Trump tweeted, Statement on the appointment of Dana uh, Bonte as acting attorney general. Zaid followed with, quote, hashtag coup is started. As one falls, two more will take their place. So as Sally Yates falls, don't worry, two more um, uh, impeachment uh, operatives, two more coup allies will take their place. Hashtag rebellion, hashtag impeachment. I'm not a fan of Trump. Zaid said on a podcast last year, I go out of my way on Twitter to say resistance. It's not a resistance against the GOP or a Republican. I don't think Trump is a Republican, quite frankly. 
He also boasted he has sued every president since 1993 and pursues them all, regardless of party affiliation, but did not say anything as a representative of a whistleblower quite like this. As the attorney representing the whistleblower to have declared two and a half years before this phone call that we are trying to impeach Donald Trump. It is, it is, it's groundbreaking. I mean, this is truly an amazing revelation because those of us who go on the air every day and say this is a coup, this is a coup d'etat, this is not a legitimate impeachment, this is not a legitimate response to uncovered news of high crimes and misdemeanors, the way we found out with Watergate, the way we found out with Bill Clinton and his, uh, uh, his uh, 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 perjury, which he was impeached for. This is not revelation of high crimes and misdemeanors at all. This is, as I've described, they decided on impeachment on the night of November 8th, 2016, which is the night that Donald Trump was elected. They decided on impeachment then, and they have been searching for the reason ever since. We will impeach him. We'll find something. And for three years, the do-nothing Congress, aided by deep state operatives, including this whistleblower, which whom we will talk about again, including this whistleblower who worked for John Brennan, who worked in the CIA, who was brought into the Obama national security team, um, and this individual who went back to the CIA, uh, who is a part of the, the coup d'etat, is represented by a lawyer who literally tweeted that, yes, this is a coup. This is two and a half years before it started. I could play back for you again and again. Nancy Pelosi and Eric Swalwell and Adam Schiff and others with their declarations that, oh, we didn't want this. This is not something one would wish for. We had we did not come to Congress looking to impeach the president. But this was just discovered, and we have to react to it. We have to follow it wherever the facts may lead. Just so much hogwash. Because they literally started saying, we will impeach him, we will stage a coup, we will usurp the presidency, we will take away the votes of 63 million people, and and uh, a significant advantage in the Electoral College, we will take it all away and run this guy out of Washington, run this guy out of the White House. Now we have to find a way to do it. And for two and a half now, three years, really, uh, that's exactly what they have been doing. So these posts, or these tweets, rather, from the attorney representing the whistleblower are groundbreaking. We'll talk more about that after we take this time out. It's 20 minutes after the top of the hour. Bob France on AM 1420, The Answer. WHKRadio.com is where to find the Bob France Authority podcast. Onward, we roll. It is 924. Thanks for joining us on AM 1420, The Answer. All right, let's talk a little bit more about this whistleblower, because this, to me, is a game changer. The whistleblower's name, according to multiple reported sources, even though nobody in elected office is saying it right now, uh, is Eric Charamella. Eric Charamella was sent to the White House to work for the uh, NSC by John Brennan, who is one of the deep state leaders of the coup d'etat against the president, one of his loudest and most shrill critics. Eric Charamella worked in the Obama White House for Ambassador Susan Rice. Eric Charamella advised 
Vice President Joe Biden, who was the point man on Ukraine policy. Eric Charamella invited DNC operative Alexandra Chalupa to the National Security Council. Eric Charamella coordinated illegally with Representative Adam Schiff as a fake whistleblower. Are you following all of that? You are not a whistleblower when you are someone who has worked with the political opposition of the president, somebody who has worked uh, very, very intensely to try to find a reason, along with the rest of the deep state, to remove him from office, and who is represented by counsel Mark Zaid, who tweeted way back in 2017 that, yes, the coup is underway. It will take many steps, but we will impeach him. And the left wants to tell you, that this is not something they've wanted to do. They didn't come into office trying to impeach the president. They didn't start the new Congress trying to impeach the president. That's all we have heard from so many members of the Democratic uh, House of Representatives, that they've wanted to impeach the president. Now we have counsel representing fake whistleblowers who instead are operatives, deep state operatives, if not just flat-out DNC operatives working inside the CIA to try to create a reason to remove the president, something they have been searching for for literally two and a half to three years. It is a staggering admission. When you read those tweets from Mark Zaid and you realize who he represents, Eric Charamella, who is acknowledged, if not officially recognized, as the whistleblower that started this entire thing. Now, I should also point out, as I have many times over the course of the last several uh, months that we've been dealing with this now, that the phone call that Charamella quote-unquote blew the whistle on isn't really anything of importance in truth, because again, this only became important when the Russia collusion uh, narrative blew up in their face. Two and a half years and $35 million of investigations turned up nothing, as Bob Mueller declared, that there is no evidence whatsoever that Donald Trump and his team colluded with Russia. And then on the issue of obstruction, which, by the way, was not even the charge of Robert Mueller. He was not charged with investigation of potential obstruction of justice. But he did it anyway. And even trying his best to get some results for those paying him $35 million to take down a president. Even with his level best efforts, he couldn't prove obstruction either. So instead he left it out there uh, with the ringing endorsement of, well, we couldn't find out that he did anything, but we also couldn't prove he didn't do anything. As if that is some sort of legal standard, which it is not. Because as we all know, Presumption of innocence means if you have no evidence that someone did something, by law, they are acquitted of said accusations. So that's all they had. They were trying to impeach him vis-a-vis Russia, since that blew up in their faces. And not only the report from Mueller, but then, well, maybe, maybe it wasn't written exactly the right way. Maybe there were some things left out. Let's get him on the stand. Let's bring him before the, uh, the, the uh, Congress and make him testify there. And Mueller testified, and it was worse than the report for the liberals. Because, again, he had nothing to sell to try and indict or or, uh, uh, provide sound reason for impeaching the president. The Russia hoax was exactly that. That's why you haven't heard them talk about it for, for four or five months now. So since the Russia hoax blew up, we can't impeach him for that. 
We tried to impeach him for a bunch of other things. Uh, uh, they were uh, Al Green was filing uh, for uh, uh, moving to hold impeachment votes uh, over the course of the last two years, for example. Since we can't get him on that, we've got to find something else now. 2020 is coming fast. What can we do? Well, let's use the Ukraine phone call. And again, why did the whistleblower, instead of going to proper channels, go to Adam Schiff's staff? And why did Adam Schiff sit on that information for two months, not letting anybody in the minority party know about this, which he is compelled to do? Why did he, why has he been the only person to have contact with the whistleblower throughout this entire process? There is no process, at least when it comes to due. There is no due process being afforded the President of the United States who is being accused of something by political enemies, not by a whistleblower, but by political enemies who decided back in 2017, I will still go earlier than that, but at least from Mark Zaid's Twitter feed to early January 2017 to be precise, decided we must impeach him. This is the most unbelievable political scandal in the history of the presidency. And I'm not talking about the phone call. I'm talking about what they are trying to do to a president who did nothing wrong. 931, news time now. Joel Gilbert joins us after this on AM 1420, The Answer. Nine thirty six. Now we continue on AM fourteen twenty. The answer. This is the first of what will be five hours of uh, Bob France today, uh, and that's only if you tune in tonight from seven to ten, as I will be sitting in for the great sage of South Central Larry Elder, and I will have a lot more on uh, this story coming up then as well. As a matter of fact, I'll have a lot more uh, on this story coming up in about uh, fifteen to twenty minutes too, including Senator Rand Paul, who is going to bat. I think he's become. I mean, he may have he may have passed Lindsey Graham as now the most vocal supporter of the president against this unholy coup that he is facing right now. But I want to pivot. I want to shift gears. You remember back in September, I had Joel Gilbert on. He is a um, he is an independent filmmaker and an author uh, who had a very important story to tell, which I will allow him to summarize now uh, with comments he made before the National Press Club. Indeed, it was 16-year-old Diamond Eugene's recorded phone interview with Martin family attorney Benjamin Crump that ignited the public, swayed President Obama and LeBron James, and provoked the media to demand Zimmerman's arrest, resulting in the subsequent 2013 trial. At the end of the road, I discovered hard evidence of an epic and ultimately lethal deception, a stunning witness fraud that divided the United States of America. Diamond Eugene refused to follow the script. She refused to speak with Florida state prosecutors or bear false witness against George Zimmerman under oath. Rachel Gentel was substituted for Diamond Eugene and Rachel became the key witness in the murder trial of George Zimmerman. Rachel Gentel was a fraud. She was not the phone witness speaking to Trayvon Martin in the minutes before he was shot. The witness fraud resulted in the seminal race hoax of the Obama years. I call it the Trayvon hoax. And the Trayvon hoax is the title of the book. It's also the title of the film. The Trayvon hoax unmasking the witness fraud that divided America. And Joel Gilbert is back with a follow-up to that story now on AM 1420, The Answer. Joel, thank you for the time. How are you? Hey, great to be back. Thanks so much. 
congratulations on the success of the uh, of the book and especially the DVD. I, I read somewhere where it's the number three selling DVD in America. That's amazing. Yeah, it's been uh, going through the roof and getting fantastic feedback, and it's just amazing how people are so upset when they see what happened because this was really the turning point where race relations went downhill. This is what led to the Ferguson effect, Ferguson, Missouri, Freddie Gray. You can even trace back all the modern era of fake news, fake witnesses now we know, uh, started with this case. If there was no fake witness in the Zimmerman trial, there would probably be no fake witnesses in the Kavanaugh hearings and no fake whistleblowers going on right now. So by unraveling where it all started, I think this can really change history. Joe, let's um, let's go back and get a little bit more uh, in depth for those who did not hear our first conversation. I just played uh, selected uh, clips from your uh, National Press Co- Club uh, presentation there, um, just to kind of give people the backstory. But this is what you mean when you talk about witness fraud. The girl that was supposedly, well, not supposedly, she was on the phone with Trayvon Martin at the time he died, um, at the time he had his lethal confrontation with George Zimmerman. Her name was Brittany Diamond Eugene. She Correct. was on the phone. The phone call and the uh, recording was it? A, was it a recording of the phone call or just a transcript? How did they? What did they? Well, there? no. What happened? Let me. I'll just reset it for you. The February yeah. twenty sixth, two thousand twelve. Martin was shot. Trayvon was on the phone with his uh, girlfriend Brittany Diamond Eugene up to right before he was shot. <clears throat> Over the next several weeks, uh, she refused to come forward. The family attorney and the friends and the parents of Trayvon Martin were pressuring her nonstop. We want you to come forward and tell tell the story. And the story they wanted her to tell was the one that uh, family attorney Benjamin Crump was pushing out in the media that a you know small child was on a candy run. They put out a photo of Trayvon at 12 years old by 5 feet tall instead of you know 17 and over 6 feet tall. And they tried to get the media on board to defame and incite against Zimmerman. The Sanford police did a full investigation of the 911 calls, physical evidence, eyewitnesses that came out and saw the confrontation, Zimmerman statements. On March 12, they said, sorry, this was, self, this was self-defense. It's not stand your ground. No probable cause. Pure self-defense. It's over. That's when the Obama administration sent down their community relations service allegedly to investigate, and instead they actually helped to organize protests. Al Sharpton came down at the behest of family attorney Benjamin Crump. Crump even told the crowd at one of the rallies, he said, we called up to New York City because we wanted someone with a track record. Here's Reverend Al Sharpton. Well, his track record was race hoaxes, Tawana Brawley, inciting violence like in Crown Heights, 1991, Freddie's Fashion Mart Massacre, 1995. So they brought the whole team down to... uh, Duke lacrosse team, 23rd, no, no, not 20th. How long ago was it, Duke lacrosse team? That was Uh, earlier. I think that was earlier. But uh, anyway, so a week later, Benjamin Crump, uh, they continued the pressure against uh, Brittany Diamond Eugene, and through her social media, she's tweeting about this the whole time, and she's saying, "I, I can't believe this is happening to me. I'm crying. They're trying to force her to say something. So finally, they get her to talk to Benjamin Crump just over the phone, and in that phone call, she just agrees with everything Crump says. She's 16 years old, and I don't think she had the wherewithal by that time to tell what really happened. So she just, whatever Crump said, she agreed with. And then Crump held a press conference the next day. He held up a digital recorder. He played a couple of excerpts of what she said that you couldn't really understand what she was saying. He said, we've got all the evidence now. 
The next day, Barack Obama comes on board. He says, if I had a son, he looked like Trayvon. LeBron James comes on board, and the state of Florida is pressured into appointing a special prosecutor. Now, Crump goes on television. He says, she's 16 years old. Her name is Diamond Eugene. She's his girlfriend. And then two weeks later, the prosecutors come down to meet Diamond Eugene. They go to her house. They've got the unredacted documents that show, you know, that's her address. And they're sent away to the house of a home where uh, someone who works for, for Trayvon's mother lives. And that's when they go and they say, okay, we're here to get Diamond Eugene. And Rachel Gentile appears. And she says, I'm Diamond Eugene. That's just my nickname. I lied about my name. I lied about my age. And they, uh, Sabrina Fulton knows about the witness fraud right there. She knows she's aware of it and doesn't stop it. And they go ahead and use Rachel Gentile. Sabrina Gentel. Fulton is, is Tra- Trayvon's mother. Correct. Now, by the way, she's running for uh, county commissioner in, um, in Miami. Hillary Clinton and Cory Booker just, just endorsed her. And they're actually they gearing up to have that thing, you know, the mothers of the movement that they had at the 2016 convention. They're going to no doubt have her at 2020 to continue to push this racial hoax, this racial narrative uh, of the Trayvon hoax. So Rachel Gentel was substituted in to tell this made-to-order storyline to get Zimmerman arrested. So the Trayvon hoax is two things. I, it's the substitution of a of a, a fake witness for a legitimate phone witness that heard what was really going on. Uh, and it's also the name I give to the hoax that um, the media plays on black Americans every day, pushing this idea that there's armed white men in the streets and racist cops that want to shoot people because of their skin color. So you better vote Democrat. So all these themes are covered in the movie. Okay, let me back up now. Um, so they go down to interview prosecutors now, and I'm assuming uh, Bre- Benjamin Crump, uh, who's representing uh, the Martin uh, family at the time, right. they go down to talk to Diamond Eugene. Correct. And instead of getting Diamond, Ju- Diamond Eugene, they get Rachel Gentel, who uh, is, is saying, no, I'm her, that's my nickname, everything that you just said. At what point did they know that that's not accurate? At what point did, is it proven that they know that Rachel Gentel is not Diamond Eugene? Because what I want to know is, did they, with that knowledge, did did Crump and the prosecutors, with that knowledge, put this phony witness on the stand, which which is essentially perjury, because she is saying some she is somebody she's not, and they are suborning that perjury by putting her up there as if she is somebody that she is not. All right. Well, let me walk you through it. First of all, Sabrina Fulton Trayvon's mother knows for sure it's proven smoking gun in the movie. She knew about it. When it happened, she was blindsided. She was not in on it beforehand. But as soon as she, as Rachel Gentel showed up, uh, you'll have to watch the movie, but she immediately contacted and called Diamond Eugene. And they had a whole interaction, which Diamond actually tweeted about. And uh, Sabrina said, I thought you were his girlfriend. You know, so that's proven. Now, uh, when you look at the, I don't have the smoking gun on Benjamin Crump and the prosecutors, but when you look at, all the evidence, it's hard to understand how they possibly could not have known because Crump had met her also a couple weeks earlier in, in person and had interviewed uh, Diamond Eugene. Uh, Diamond Eugene also called Crump on the phone. We have Diamond's phone records two days before Rachel appeared. And I wonder what they were talking about. Now, now if you have more than phone records, though, Joel, what, what it sounds we're talking to Joel Gilbert. If you just turn on the radio, Joel Gilbert is an independent filmmaker and author who uh, produced a film and a book called The Trayvon Hoax, Unmasking the Witness Fraud, fraud That Divided America. 
it's more than just the phone records. He, he, you said he played for the media a recording of his phone call with her, which means we have Diamond Eugene's voice. And I of would course. imagine it would take about two seconds for an investigator to call a vocal expert, a voice expert, you know, somebody who can actually testify forensically that this voice is not the voice of Rachel Gentile who is sitting on that witness stand right now. I right. mean, this should and have been movie. able to be told in two seconds. Right. In the movie, look, anybody can listen to it. Uh, Diamond is 16. She has a heavy urban accent. She speaks very fluidly, a lot of range. Rachel Gentile can hardly put a sentence together. She speaks very slowly, monotone. I mean, I have those voice comparisons in the film. Uh, I also got handwriting analysis done by a handwriting expert uh, under penalty of perjury that uh, there was a letter that Diamond Eugene gave to Trayvon's mother and signed Diamond Eugene. Rachel claimed that she signed this letter later on when it came to court. Handwriting experts said, no, she did not 100%, and Diamond did sign it. So there's about 20 of these proofs, including... Indeed, uh, it was... Even, Sorry, even go ahead. Some, yeah, we even did some DNA analysis where I want to reveal everything, but it shows the relationship between Diamond Eugene and Rachel, like why would she agree to be a substitute witness in the first place. But the evidence that the prosecutors knew something, I mean, it's just, you know, unmistakable. They interview Rachel Gentile. In that first interview, every time she answers something that is completely wrong, they continue to ask the same question until she kind of gets it right. They're helping her through the interview. At the end of the interview, uh, she actually realizes she's in over her head. She shouldn't have done this. She tells the prosecutor six times, I feel guilty. I feel real guilty, real guilty. Why do you feel guilty, they say. She says, I know about it. They go, what? She goes, I know about it. She's telling them that she's lying, and they ignore this. And the second thing is they then take two of her statements from that interview that completely contradict the eyewitnesses. And they use Rachel's statements to, to indict Zimmerman. So how could they not have known that something was wrong when they'll deny an eyewitness to take this girl's who, uh, statement for an indictment? Then the prosecution withheld evidence all before the trial. The defense had to spend two-thirds of their time in court just getting sanctions against the prosecution for not sharing evidence. They wanted to speak to Diamond Eugene, or, and, they, and they said, oh, you can't talk to her, she's... Uh, only 16, you can't talk to her until just before the trial. Then at the deposition, Rachel Gentile shows up. Now she's 19. She says, oh, that's my nickname. And the, the deposition is a disaster. And all those excerpts are, are in the film. And you can see the uh, trailer. Everyone start with the trailer. You can also live stream, get the book or ebook. It's on the TrayvonHoax.com. Joel Gilbert is the uh, uh, independent filmmaker and the author who put all of this together. Okay, so... Um Let's wrap it up with this. You're having yeah. a great success uh, selling this DVD and hopefully selling the book as well. It's yep. fantastic that you're opening the eyes of a lot of people uh, to the hoax that, as you say, kind of started the racial division in, in America. Now, it's not to say that maybe without the Trayvon story, we wouldn't have had the Freddie Brown, we wouldn't have had, or excuse me, Michael Brown, Freddie Gray, et cetera, et cetera. So maybe all these things would have happened anyway. But in large part, this did start the, the Black Lives Matter and the Absolutely. and the real racial separation, I guess, uh, racial uh, uh, you know uh, rage, I guess, that exists in this country right now. But all of that aside, what I want to know is where is justice? Can your and will your evidence that you uncovered and you present in this book be used to bring the prosecutors, to bring attorney Benjamin Crump, who suborned this perjury by getting a girl that she knew was not Diamond Eugene, to pretend to be Diamond Eugene for the purposes of testifying in a murder trial. Um, I, I think there's got to be some charges being brought here, and at least some investigations being opened up based on what yeah. you've uncovered. 
yeah, the good, good point. I've gotten a lot of people asking about that. Uh, not only to to uh, get the trial going. Don't forget, they were trying to get Zimmerman put in jail for life, yeah. uh, based on a hoax. I mean, that's very serious. Uh, the the word I got is that uh, I've, I've had several attorneys calling me out of Florida saying they want to file some ethics complaints. I believe George Zimmerman is, has now hired an attorney, uh, and I think that we're going to see a lot of developments on this because uh, this is something that uh, I think in the end no one has suffered more from this Trayvon hoax thing than the black youth of America. Homicides have been up about 33% uh, since this happened. Uh, this amount of suffering and division was all really started with this. They saw they could get away with it. If you can get away with uh, saying iced tea and Skittles, then then they could make up hands up, don't shoot. Then they could make up the next story, you know, one after the other. Yeah. So uh, I think by exposing this is a chance to really come back together. You know, uh, Colin Kaepernick can go back and play for the 49ers. You know, all these things that divided us for no reason, I think, uh, have a chance to, to come back together again. Joe Gilbert, uh, uh, the, the website again is what? Uh, just the TrayvonHoax.com? TrayvonHoax.com, live stream the movie, get the book, ebook, or buy the DVD. Um, we're going to keep following this, obviously, Joel, and uh, hopefully we're going to follow this all the way to ethics complaints and charges being brought against Benjamin Crump and against anybody else that was responsible for this intentional de- deception and fraud. Uh, they did. They perpetrated a fraud on a United States courtroom by putting a false witness up on the stand. And why isn't Rachel Gentile in prison right now? For that perjury, for pretending to be somebody that she was not in an attempt to frame somebody, well, not frame, but to get a murder conviction in a case where one was obviously not warranted. Uh, and we're going to follow all of those things and check back in with you. Joel Gilbert, thanks so much for the time. Okay, thanks again. You got it. All right, it's uh, 9.52. We'll take this quick time out on AM 1420, The Answer. Through downtown, through greater Cleveland, on 102.5 FM, it's the Bob France Authority. Quite an amazing story, is it? Isn't it? Is it too much to ask for just a little bit of honesty in uh, the legal system anymore? I mean, seriously. I, I, I kind of feel like it is. Uh, you know, I mean, whether we're talking about this um, uh, this incredibly duplicitous coup d'etat, uh, trying to remove <clears throat> the President of the United States <clears throat> from office, trying to uh, disenfranchise 63 million voters by saying their votes didn't count, uh, whether it's that and all of the lies that continue to go on and we continue to see them uncovered, or whether it's cases like this Trayvon Martin case, they put, they put a person who was not on the phone with Trayvon Martin as he had his fatal encounter with George Zimmerman. That's just insane. This is all the way back in 2012 now. It's hard to believe it's been seven years, right? But, but it is insane that that happened. Think about that. They put somebody on to pretend to be somebody else because the real witness who was on the phone with her would not testify because what she had had, had to tell them would have had to say to a grand jury and to a courtroom, um, if she told the truth, would be counter to what Benjamin Crump, the, the Trayvon, Trayvon Martin family attorney, wanted her to say. So rather than perjure her, herself, bearing false witness against George Zimmerman, she said, I won't do it. 
So they said, fine, we'll get somebody who will, and we'll pretend that they're you. This is unbelievable, and it's all laid out in the film. You've got to see it. Even the trailer is enough to start an investigation down there in Florida. Just watch the trailer at TrayvonHoax.com. But uh, certainly, when you look at the um, entirety of it, it's really an amazing thing. And as Joel said, that has led to you know a, a lot of other race hoaxes and this some you know this mistaken. Mistaken is not the right word because that would indicate like an error, you know, maybe an accidental error, a mistake. Intentional, this intentional stoking of racial divisions largely began with that Trayvon story and Barack Obama playing the if this was um, if I had a son he would look look, look just like Trayvon card. Um, it really has, and and racial division and anti police. Even though George Zimmerman was not a cop, this was kind of made the narrative. This is what happens when you have people who are law enforcement or pretending to be law enforcement, like neighborhood watch people. Uh, this is what happens when they see uh, uh, black people in neighborhoods they don't believe they, they think think they belong in. They get shot. It's just it's it's horrific, and it, and it continues. This hoax uh, continues to have. Um, long-lasting effects on the communities, many communities, now seven years after the fact. So really appreciate Joel Gilbert coming on. In the next hour, first we're going to have news here at the top of the hour. In the next hour, we're going to go much more in-depth on the whistleblower and on the attorney for the whistleblower, Mark Zaid, and we're going to have some responses to what we have found out, that the coup um, was was truly uh, begun way back in January of 2017, if not before that by deep state operatives looking to remove Donald Trump by any means necessary. And one of those who admitted it back in 2017 is now being called on the carpet for it as he is the lawyer representing the quote-unquote whistleblower who refuses to be identified but and who enjoys the protection of an Intelligence Committee chairman, Adam Schiff, who refuses to allow him to be identified, which is in violation of virtually every standard legal norm ever written. So we'll talk about that as we continue in hour number two. Three-star general Michael J. Flynn, head of the Pentagon Intelligence Agency, knew all the government's dirty secrets. He was one of the most respected generals in the military. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He understood its funding. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. The explosive new documentary, Flynn, deliver the truth, whatever the cost, and covers the facts behind this scandal. Flynn told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. I find out the worst enemy that I'm going to face in my life is right here in America. They took my assessment and they wanted me to change it. I was like, I'm not changing it. They had to get rid of Flynn. With in-depth interviews, archival footage, and never-before-seen personal records of the man behind the headlines. I just felt like I was drowning. Flynn. Deliver the truth, whatever the cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to salemnow.com. salemnow.com.